Hey freaks, happy Friday or maybe Saturday, depending on what time I actually upload this podcast. Um, It takes me quite a while to edit out all of the mouth noises I make. Um, So you're welcome. (laughs) Um, I just got off work. I worked um, a lunch shift today. I'm a server um, in addition to being in law school. Um, I feel like I say that a lot, but also I feel like some people might be listening to this as their first episode. I don't know. I don't know the podcast etiquette, but for those of you who are sticking around for multiple episodes, thank you for bearing with me while I figure everything out. Um, I hope you're having a good week. Me personally, I have been better. Um, I feel like my positivity last week came back to bite me in the ass because I fully just stayed in bed all day on Valentine's Day and I've just been feeling super depressed and volatile and definitely need to be in therapy but finding a therapist is so much easier said than done and I've just been feeling extra isolated and I am just so done with school like I'm realizing like the social aspects of school and like the educational politics are just too overwhelming for me and I just cannot stress enough how badly I want to be done and you know I thought for so long that school was the only thing that I knew how to do Um, and to a certain extent that's true but that's also why it's so important for me to be making this podcast because it truly feels like the first time um, in my life that I've consistently committed this much time and energy to a project for which I have no external pressure to complete. Um, it's really made me realize that I do have the discipline to be consistently creative. Um, and so now I really don't want to be doing things that aren't creative. Um, and like every time I sit down to paint or something, I just feel so guilty that I'm not reading or studying. And this week I've skipped like three classes. Um, and I just cannot bring myself to leave the house. Like I'm just sitting around watching TikToks, feeling bad, um, And my mood is just far too dependent on external circumstances to be in any way predictable. And part of that is just being like a person who menstruates. And part of that is also just being a person who has depression. You know, I'm on searcher line and it takes the edge off for sure. But it's a precarious little drug. And if you miss a dose, um, it'll really fuck you up. And sometimes the symptoms are a little bit delayed. And I think I'm feeling those. But I also, I feel like I've gotten through it. You know, I feel like I'm going to be cool. (laughs) I feel like we're going to be cool. Anyway, um, TMI, my friend is coming over later to hang out. So I'm really excited to hang out. Anyway, um, that's enough about me. But I did also want to talk about one of the actresses in one of last week's movies in Bride of Chucky. Um, The goth guy was played by an actress named Alexis Arquette. Yeah, those Arquettes, she's the sister of Patty and David, um, I guess, sister-in-law to Courtney Cox. But she played the the goth guy who was like the Chucky's like first kill in that movie. And I just feel bad that I didn't catch that before um, and who she was because she sadly passed away in 2016. And I remember Patty Arquette talking about her in her acceptance speech at the Emmys in like 2019. Um, and just like begging Hollywood to just hire trans people. And um, it really resonated with me at the time. And since then, like, 
trans people have gotten a little bit more exposure in um, popular media, but that has also been met with an extreme, an extremely violent uh, reaction from the right. And, um, you know, just last week, a trans girl in the UK was killed um, in broad daylight. And, uh, you know, if you're not aware of what's going on, you should start paying attention and you should look into the um, anti-trans legislations that are being passed in your state um, because it's very important. And if you don't think it's important, um, I like... I just don't want you to even listen because, um, anyway, trans people are under attack and they need our protection and they need our support and they deserve to have a dignified life. Yeah. I just wanted to say that, (laughs) but I just wanted to recognize Alexis Arquette and also just say rest in peace to her. But anyway, let's get into the lighter stuff. Uh, This is a podcast where I, Alyssa Canova, watch two horror movies every week, and I tell you guys about them. Um, There will be spoilers, there will be half-baked opinions, and I am very unqualified to do this. So here we go. The theme this week is a crossover between Stephen King and Drew Barrymore. So Drew Barrymore was actually in two Stephen King movies when she was young. So um, this week I watched Firestarter and Cat's Eye from um, 1984 and 1985, respectively. Firestarter was fun because... Because I had actually watched the remake that they remade it um, actually just last year 2022 um, and Zac Efron plays the lead um, and the guy in this movie he's no Zac Efron but he's nice to look at as well and I enjoyed it I felt like the Zac Efron version like the plot was a lot more hammered out like everything was a lot more deliberate and I understood what was going on more um, and they also just gave more backstory and like the mom actually had a role whereas in this movie the mom's role is just like in a flashback like once the movie starts she's already dead so they kind of like start it at a different point in the story and also like mm, just like a couple different things but anyway I I liked that one as well so if you're interested in that I would also recommend that one but I watched the original 1984 with young Drew Barrymore she's got to be like six years old in this and actually I'm going to look up her actual age okay she was born in 1975 so this came out in 1984 so she was nine when it came out was probably about eight when it uh filmed I don't really know. Who knows? Anyway, she's tiny. She acts like she's like a five-year-old, but I think she's about eight in the movie as well. It opens with her dad carrying her. Um, Her dad's name is Andrew. Um, He's carrying her on a crowded sidewalk, and he's kind of like rushing through the city, Um, and they're being trailed by three guys in suits in a car. Um, And one of the guys in the car tells one of the other ones, they're like, don't look him in the eye. He'll be able to make you do what he wants. Um, So, yeah, the dad has um, uh, telekinetic powers. And when he uses them, he usually like puts his head to his temples and like rustles up his hair a little bit and he gets a bloody nose. Um, He doesn't use it that often, I guess. But he 
so he flags down this taxi and he gets in, he throws his daughter in, um, and he tells the driver to drive, but he's like manipulating him with his mind, right? He's like making him do it. And so the driver is driving and then he's like, okay, take us to the airport. And the driver is like, no way I'm going to the airport. That's just too far. And so Andrew is like, okay, I'm going to give you a $500 bill if you go to the airport. And the guy is like, Okay, sounds good to me. But he gives him actually a $1 bill, but he fucks with his mind so that he thinks it's a $500 bill and takes him to the airport. And so now we get some backstory. We have a flashback. There's like, it's like a hospital with a bunch of different hospital beds and like a guy in a lab coat and a bunch of people like standing around, you know, in lab coats with clipboards and stuff. And the doctor is like explaining to them that they're all going to be um, injected with something and like half of them are going to get placebos and half of them are going to get a strain of uh, what they call lot six. And so this is where Andrew's wife, the mother of little Drew Barrymore, um, uh, Heather Locklear she plays Vicky um, and when the doctor is like are there any questions Vicky raises her hand and she's like when do we get our money um, and everyone laughs and Andrew like immediately falls in love with her um, so <laughs> they both start getting like really high and silly and then Andrew and Vicky realize that they can communicate with each other telepathically and then they like immediately tell each other they love each other um, while like all the other participants around them are kind of like going crazy some of them are like being violent but then like we cut back to the airport and Andrew is explaining to his daughter, um, the little girl, her name is Charlie, by the way. So Andrew is explaining to Charlie that like they're out of money and they don't have anything left to sell. And Charlie's like stealing is wrong. Um, and it's really bad and I, we can't do it. And the dad is like, listen, it's only like a little bad. It's not a big bad. And Charlie is like a big bad is what they did to mommy. And Charlie's like, yeah um <laughs> and so anyway they go to a phone booth because he's going to like take the change out with his mind um and steal that which isn't really stealing why are you charging people to use the phone anyway that's pretty stupid um but they pass by a woman and a man fighting and it's like a young woman and she's visibly pregnant and the guy is like in the army um and she's like begging him <laughs> to marry her because she's pregnant and she doesn't have anything and he's just kind of like you know fuck off I don't know if that's mine um and when Charlie sees this she gets like so upset that she makes the guy's feet catch fire with her mind and so her dad like carries her away and she's like crying she's saying she didn't mean it and she feels so bad and her dad is like listen it's bad but you didn't like burn his face you know so that's progress you're starting to control it and she was like yeah it's not like with mommy in the kitchen when I heard her and the dad is like yeah exactly <laughs> um so then we cut to that memory um Andrew is trying to help Charlie like control her powers by like he's holding like a piece of toast on tongs and Charlie's trying to like toast it without making the whole thing catch fire um but of course it does catch fire and her mom tells her that she needs to take a break and Charlie's like no I want to like try it again and her mom is like no you need to rest um, and she gets really mad and she makes her mom's hands catch fire like on accident. 
and she gets so upset and they like they yell at her but she like really didn't mean to do it and it's so sad and then we cut to another memory of Andrew getting home but no one's there it's like deadly quiet and he sees like a salt shaker overturned on the table like that's the only thing awry but it has this like great horror movie score that starts to play right here oh my god it's just like it's like shrill strings and just like eerie oh it's so good but he then he like goes to the laundry room and he sees blood dripping down the washing machine um and then he sees like blood leading into the closet and so he opens the door and like the ironing board falls down and she's like on the ironing board and her eyes are open and she's just dead um so now he's panicking he's trying to find charlie but she is actually at the neighbor's house so he like drives to the neighbor's house and when he gets there a bunch of the guys in the suits are there and they're chloroforming her so he like uses his brain to like get the guys to drop the gun then he like gets charlie and then he just like looks at all of them and he's like you're blind and so they became blind and the (laughs) poor neighbor comes outside and he just like wipes her memory with his brain because he can do that too I guess so cut to there's a a title screen it says the shop in Longmont Virginia and we see a young shiny Michael Sheen riding his bicycle (laughs) riding his (laughs) bicycle I almost did it again riding his bicycle into this like chain link fence area with security and he's like through the trees and it's like really beautiful but rides all the way up to this like big like plantation style home and he's wearing like a blazer he has a badge and a secretary and security detail so he's clearly very important but I I don't really know what his like job is he's a captain of something um but anyway a guy named Rainbird is waiting for him in his office and this guy is like big stocky buff dude with like a scar on his eye and a cataract very scary looking um and so they're chatting for a minute and then uh the doctor comes in like from another door I don't know where he came from but he's like rambling he's hysterical he wants them to catch the dad and the daughter and he's like they're super dangerous um we need to like just take them out because this experiment went totally wrong and two people that got the injection shouldn't really have ever had a child together and we don't really know what she's capable of and the fact is that when she was a baby they were able to suppress her powers but now she's a child and she has a lot more control and if she wanted to she could according to him break the world in half and just bring on full-on Armageddon and he's very upset about it and Michael Sheen is kind of like brushing him off until he's like wait a second you say she can cause nuclear war okay what say we turn her into a weapon and even though the doctor was just like advocating to kill her, he's now just like absolutely fucking not, which is fair. Like he has his principles. Um, and so he just like storms out. And so Andrew and Charlie are hitchhiking and they're trying to get to their grandfathers, but this old guy in a truck picks them up. He takes them to their farm and he has a much younger much hotter wife um, who looked very familiar and it's actually Louise Felcher who is the actress who played Nurse Ratched in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest which is a fantastic film and book. Uh, Yes I said book that was one I actually read back when I read. So anyway they all have lunch um, and then you know, the old guy wants to talk to Andrew because he's like, I feel like this guy's running from the law. I need to like 
get a read on what's going on. So the wife takes Charlie out to like feed the chickens or whatever. And the old guy asks if the cops are after him or like if he killed that girl's mother. And Andrew is like, no way, man. But he like totally tells him everything. He's like, listen, there are government agents from the shop and they're after us because we were part of an experiment that went wrong. And I have my daughter and they want to take her from me and they want to do experiments on her. And so we have to go on the run. And the old guy is like, you should call the cops and turn yourself in. And it's like, well, you're not listening to anything he just said. But anyway, Charlie comes in and she's like, shit, dude, you told him. She didn't say shit. I ad-libbed. But um, she's mad that her dad like told on them. Um, she's very wise, this little girl. Um, but then in her mind, she can see that the guys in the suits and the cars are on their way to get them. And she's like, daddy, they're on the way. They're going to kill you. They want to kill you. And Andrew is like, you can stop them. And Charlie is like crying. She's like, if I do something bad, will you still love me? And at this point, the old guy changes his tune because he realizes that there's like a showdown. So he grabs his shotgun and they all go outside and there's like half a dozen cars and like 20 guys in suits. And the old guy draws his shotgun and he's like, y'all need to get off my property. And the government agents are like, they're dangerous. And the old guy is like, I don't care if they shot the president. <laughs> You're not fucking getting on my property without a warrant. And it's like, yeah, man, now you are speaking my language. Um, so a couple of the dudes grab Andrew and the old guy fires his gun and then he like immediately gets shot. And Charlie just like goes red in the face and she just makes a bunch of dudes burst into flames. Like one guy burns up to a crisp, like into a crispy little skeleton right on the lawn. And the rest of them like run away fearful. And her dad has to like shake her like to tell her to stop because she's like in a trance almost and she's like crying and apologizing and he just carries her inside and then the old guy offers Andrew their jeep and the wife is like yeah take the jeep please get the hell out of here <laughs> so they take this jeep which is like basically just the frame like totally open air and they drive through the night until they get to this lake and Andrew's dad had this little shack on this lake and so they cross this little bridge to get to this shack and he's tucking her into bed and she's asking like when are things going to go back to normal and he's like I've been writing all these letters I just have to get them to the right people and once the paper knows about it they're going to expose them or whatever and then everything's going to be normal and good and which is just very naive but that's their plan at least so we cut to Rainbird and he so we cut to Rainbird and he's in this guy's bedroom and I think that it's the doctor but I'm not entirely sure I because I didn't recognize his face because he just looked like an old white guy and I and he was wearing a different outfit so I don't I don't know and I thought it would become clear but it didn't but they do have a different doctor later so I, I'm pretty sure this is the doctor so anyway Rainbird wakes this guy up by like tickling him with a leaf and then he like takes his hand and he bonks him right in the nose and like this man's face like contorts like I had to rewind it and watch it twice because it was so weird but he like smacks him right in the nose and he dies 
And so Charlie and Andrew have driven to town. They drop off all their letters in a mailbox. But there's some spy bitch across the street, and she immediately calls Michael Sheen. His name is Captain Hollister, by the way. Um, she calls him, and she's like, hey, here they are. They're in town. And so Rainbird is with uh, the captain in his office, and he's like, okay, I got it. Uh, I'll go grab him. And after that, y'all can do your little tests. And uh, when you're done, I'll take care of the girl. I'll dispose of her. And the captain is like, uh, what makes you think I couldn't just like have you killed right now? And Rainbird says, because if you do, the shop will come crumbling down and all of its crimes will be pinned on you uh, for some reason. Um, so that gets the captain complying and he's like, fine, I'm pretty creeped out. But like, what do you want with the little girl? And he's just, like, so creepy. He's just like, oh, she's just so young and beautiful and powerful, and we're going to become really close. Like, could not be more creepy. And Captain is, like, afraid to ask more questions <laughs> because, uh, anyway. So Rainbird is on the side of the road, and he flags down the mail carrier and chokes him out and steals all the mail. So all the letters that they just mailed are not going to get to where they were going. So then we see him in the woods, and he has a gun, this little gun with a little scope on it. And he's climbing up this tree, and he sees Andrew and Charlie come out of the shack. And first, he shoots Charlie right in the neck, and then he shoots Andrew in the shoulder. And then he just goes and picks him up. And as he's like putting on these leather gloves, like, oh, my God, it's very creepy. Like a dozen guys in like silver hazmat suits just like emerge from like behind the trees and the bushes. They just like go to get the bodies. So Andrew wakes up in this bedroom in the like plantation house and he's obviously freaking out and he's trying to find his daughter. But there's like doctors and like or there's like nurses and there's a doctor and they just like trank him again and so the new doctor dr pinchot introduces himself andrew's like is this the shop and he's like this is the shop <laughs> and so we cut to charlie and she's in her room and it's very lavish um and she's wearing this pink robe and these cute little pink bunny slippers but every door and window is just blocked by like a metal wall. And so Captain Hollister shows up and he's got some hot cocoa. But Charlie is pissed and she is not taking any of that shit. And she's like, I want to see my dad. And he's just not listening to her. And he's like, I've been wanting to meet you. You're pretty spectacular. I've come to think of you as my daughter. Which like, what? And <laughs> Charlie's like, you can go to hell. Where the fuck is my dad? And Hollister is like, I want to help you work on your powers. And Charlie's like, I don't want to use my powers. I vowed to never start another fire again in my life. Um, and Hollister is like, okay, be like that. So he just leaves uh, using this little key card. So Charlie just has no way out. Um, and so she just stares at the hot cocoa until it boils. And in the other room, her dad is getting like force fed pills. Yeah. And so like sometime later, Charlie is like in her room and the captain and the doctor are just giving her a bunch of presents and she's just opening them and they're like, oh, look at this. And she's just like, I don't give a fuck about this. Where's my dad? But we see Rainbird drive up um, and he dons an eye patch, I guess, to be less startling, which I don't know which is more startling. It's hard to say. But he goes up to Charlie's room with a vacuum and he's acting like a janitor um and charlie's just playing a video game she is not paying him any attention but in 
one of the other rooms, Andrew is in like a police investigation looking type room and they have like one way glass and they want him to do a test. And so like Rainbird and Hollister and the doctor are all in the other room watching through the glass and an agent comes and sits across from Andrew and Andrew is trying to like compel him with his mind to like pour a jar of ink into the water, but he just can't do it. And so we cut back to Rainbird and he's just really trying to gain Charlie's trust. And Charlie's just like not interested because she's a smart girl. Um, but he's coming like every day and she's like, why do you come every day? I'm not messy. And then this one time he's cleaning her room, it starts like thundering outside and the lights go out and Rainbird starts acting like a little bitch to like get her to like comfort him it's so gross he's like banging on the door trying to get out and it's like it the electricity's out like you'll be it's like no big deal like why don't you just go get in your car and he's like if the electricity's out the car's no good and it's like who are you trying to fool this girl is smarter than you think she is but anyway she's just like can you get a grip and he's just like oh it reminds me of the war <laughs> and she's just like trying to calm him down and he's like oh how could I even help you in the way that you're helping me and he's like touching her thigh like a fucking pedophile and she's like um you can bring a note to my dad and so he agrees to bring a note to her dad uh, but again he's just trying to get in her fucking head he's like so why don't you want to like use your powers for the doctors like you you only have to use them just a little bit and she's like i i have boundaries stop trying to cross them um but anyway we cut to and because she is a poor little girl and because they promised that she could see her dad if she uh, used her powers she's standing in this, in this room with like a doctor and a guy in the hazmat suit and she's like wired up like she's got all these wires coming out of her head and there's like a pile of wood chips and she like looks at the doctor and she's like you should go to the other room in case something bad happens and so she's staring at the wood chips until they catch fire and then they just like blow up and they like blow up into the gas and everyone behind the glass is watching and they're like oh my god this is amazing like her alpha waves are off the charts or whatever um but then she like looks at the bathtub full of water and it catches on fire and Hollister is like super excited because they caught it all on tape and the doctor is like but she only did it to see her father and Rainbird is like, well, we don't actually have to, like, let her see him. And the doctor is like, yeah, if she sees him, he might convince her to destroy us all. And it's like, she might be coming to that own conclusion on her own. Like, stop trying to discredit her. Um, but then they realize that she's literally just walked right out of the room. <laughs> um, and everyone is just too afraid to go after her but she just goes to her room and she's just crying because she misses her dad and the dad is in his room just crying and captain abercrombie brings andrew some more pills but andrew has vowed that he's just not going to take anymore because it's making him high and he can't use his powers you know he's talking to him about this about like why aren't you performing well and he's like i'm stoned because you're giving me drugs all the time and you know captain air apostle is just like did you know that the shop has a compound in maui you know that's something to think about if you comply with us a winkity wink wink and so now rainbird is trying to butter up charlie by showing her the stables and the horses and then they go riding horses together and she's still just like i want to see my dad and rainbird is like well you might just have to use your power again and it's like you can't keep promising her the same things and then lying to her but anyway charlie says that she does feel like she is getting stronger 
um, that she was able to tell it to go away by like shooting it into like a straight line into the water. Like that's how she controls it, I guess. So they're doing tests again. She's in a much bigger room and she's not hooked up this time, but they're all watching her set a wall made of cinder blocks on fire. And she does, but like she makes the room so hot that it causes like the elevator to like melt and creak. And she's like trying to stop and she's trying to tell it to back off like the power. She's trying to tell it to back off and she's trying to like direct it at this block of ice, but it like turns to mist and then it like boils and she just like can't regain control. And finally she like slowly unclenches her fist and the room goes still, but she just screams. She's like, she's like, I want to see my dad. And the doctor's like, you just need to show us something a little bit more. And she's like, you need to show me him right now or I will make something happen. But she just still doesn't want to. She's so good. Like, she does not want to fuck with these people. But they are literally just pushing her to the limit. We cut to Andrew and he's in his room watching cartoons. But we we realize that he's able to, like, change the channels with his mind. And back in a conference room, the doctor is saying that they just still need to keep doing tests on her. And he's like, I am satisfied, yes, but only partially. It's like, what's it? What is it? Are you satisfied or are you partially satisfied? Those are not the same things. Are you satisfied or no? <laughs> Fuck you, dude. Um, but anyway, Captain Hollister dismisses the doctor and Rainbird. And Rainbird is like, yeah, again, so like when you're done with her, like I'm going to get her. And Abercrombie is like, okay, like seriously, what are you going to do with her? You creepy motherfucker. And he's like, I'm going to pretend to be a janitor and hang out with her and make her happy. And once I've made her as happy as she can be, I'm going to strike her in the nose and kill her really quickly, learning her true power. And when I die, hopefully soon after, I'll take that power with me into the other world. Like, okay, you fucking freak. I feel like you have more intentions than that. I feel like you like little children and you need to be euthanized. But anyway, um, Hollister just calls him crazy and leaves the room. So now we see Captain Abercrombie walking along the like docks with... Andrew and Andrew is like manipulating him to like take him to Hawaii um, and manipulating him into agreeing to let his daughter come um, and he sends his daughter a note um, that says like hey you're gonna come with me like meet me in the stables tonight we're getting a helicopter but when Charlie gets this note she shares it with Rainbird because she thinks that he's his friend and she's like, oh, I'm so excited. And of course, so Rainbird is now on track to fuck the whole thing up. Later that night, like Charlie is like being escorted to the stables by one of the agents and Rainbird is just like creeping around the rafters like a fucking weirdo. Um, and he's trying to like coax Char Charlie to like come up into the rafters and it's like, do not do it, girl. But her father comes in and they run and they hug and it's so sweet. Um, and then she's like, my friend John is here. John is the alias that Rainbird gave her. And Andrew is like, no, 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 no. You cannot trust that guy. He's with them. And so then like Rainbird like starts taunting them from the rafters and Andrew tells Hollister to kill him. Um, and so Hollister like shoots at him, but he misses. Uh, but then Hollister gets shot between the eyes. So then he tells Rainbird to jump and he does, but then he gets shot. And then Rainbird tries to shoot Charlie and she explodes his bullet midair. And then she sets his ass on fire. And so 
now Charlie is just like watching her father die and he tells her he's like this is war and if you need to like kill everyone in your way to get out of here that's just what you got to do just burn it all down babes and he dies so outside a bunch of agents uh some in business suits some in hazmat suits they just swarm and Charlie just blows anyone away that gets fucking close to her she lets all the horses out of their stalls and she slowly just walks out of the barn as it goes up in flames behind her. And the doctor is like riding away on a golf cart until she shoots a fireball at his ass. And then there are all these guys trying to shoot her and the bullets are just bouncing right off of her. Um, at one point, she shoots three fireballs at once to hit three guys at once. And she just keeps walking and deflecting bullets and blowing people away with her fireballs. And finally, she blows up a helicopter and she shoots a fireball at the main house and like the whole house is blowing up. And she's just like, for you, daddy. And at the end, she uh, has hitchhiked a ride back to the old guy's house. And the old guy and his wife just like embrace her. And it's like so sweet. Like they're just going to take care of her. <laughs> That's adorable. But then she's walking up to the New York Times building with the old man. And she's just going in there, I guess, to tell her and her dad's story. And she's like, I did it for you, daddy. And she just goes in and that's when it ends. Oh, I just gave myself chills right now. <laughs> it's, 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 it is pretty silly. I don't know what the New York Times is going to do for them. Um, I wouldn't get your hopes up girl but um it was sweet and it was cute and I think if you like like wholesome family action movie type situations like this is the film that's good for the whole family um yeah you know no sex no tits and it's like an, a 1980 Stephen King movie are you kidding like honestly the ones with Drew Barrymore as I have learned are <laughs> pretty good uh in those situations um yeah so Next, I watched Cat's Eye, which came out the next year in 1985. This movie was quite the experience. Um, it kind of abandons plot midway through, and Drew Barrymore actually plays two characters in this movie. A little girl named Alicia in the beginning, and a little girl named Amanda in the end. And when I say abandoned plot, like I don't mean like two stories are interwoven. I mean, he tells half of one story, and then he tells half of another story. And it's in this way where like I can kind of tell how this might have been a good book. But as a film, it's kind of like, dude, tie up your loose ends. And it was like an only an hour and a half. So it was like, OK, honestly, fully enjoyed it. It was amazing. But it's also like, what is this? <laughs> early days. Early days, I guess. So I say early days. The Shining came out five years before this. So actually, there's no excuse. Anyway, and not like Steve. I don't Stephen King didn't like direct this movie. You know, he just wrote it. So anyway, it opens up with a with a close up of a cat's eye. How beautiful. OK, this whole movie, the only through line is the cat. Um, and it's a beautiful cat. And it's just wonderful to watch him walk through the city going on little adventures. It's very like Milo and Otis vibes. 
and I don't know this cat's name, so I'll just be referring to him as the cat. If I switch up pronouns on the cat, then that's just how it is. And that's what, another thing I notice when I listen back on my recordings and do my editing. Um, my pro- I j- pronouns gone to the wind. Like I will start a sentence with he and then say she when I am referring to the same person. And that's just because my brain is moving at a mile a minute. And I'm very sorry about that. <laughs> but anyway, this cat. We see it wandering through through this neighborhood and then it is getting like chased down by a saint bernard that's like covered in blood but don't worry that saint bernard will come back later so the cat ends up like on a beer truck headed to the big city and as soon as the door opens again it runs and this cat is just so beautiful and the cat goes and she looks at this mannequin in the window and one of the mannequins like like the cat is like hallucinating that one of the mannequins like turns into Drew Barrymore and Drew Barrymore like turns to her and is like asking her to help her but then some douchebag comes up and grabs her and like puts her in a little carrier like fucking animal control and I'm like I thought like I thought this was New York City. Like, cats are allowed on the streets. Hello. Anyway. But across the street, um, a man is being dropped off at this building by, like, a friend of his. And so he goes up to the building, and it's this clinic. It's a smoker's quitting clinic. It's called Quitters Incorporated. Um, The guy is actually, uh, the actor is James Woods, who is the dad from The Virgin Suicides. Um, And his character's name is Dick Morrison. So he's he's going to this uh, clinic to try and quit smoking, right? Um, But in the clinic, we see this woman being like brought out of like the back room and she looks like distraught and inconsolable and her eyes are like wide and she's like crying and panicking and she like hits her husband a few times and then just like lets him take her outside and he just like leads her outside and she's just distraught and so anyway he decides okay seems legit and so he goes in to see this uh doctor quote unquote um and the doctor remarks, he's like, I see you have a daughter who's 10. Um, I'm wondering why you didn't list where she goes to school. And Dick is like, uh, because it's none of your fucking business. Um, and I was like, yeah, touche. And then the guy is like, do you have cigarettes? And he's like, duh. And so he puts them on the table and the guy just like smashes them with his hands and like sweeps them off the table. Um, and... At one point, Dick tries to leave because he's like, your methods are alternative. Bye, buddy. Um, but he, all the do- doors are just locked. Um, and so, you know, quickly things have escalated and the man clicks a remote and curtains in, on the back wall of the office open. And behind the curtains is like a huge glass box. And in that box, the floor is like metal grate and there's a little cat and he's just like, hopping around because the guy is electrocuting him over and over again with this remote and the cat is just like hopping around and can't get any rest and dick is like freaking out like you're killing him and he tries to take the remote and the dude is like nah he's fine but listen he sits him down right he's like the guys at quitters incorporated they will be watching you and if ever you smoke first your wife will be brought into the room and we'll see her hop around like a cat Next, your daughter. Third time you're caught smoking, we send someone out to rape your wife. And he says that only 2% of his clients fail a fourth time. And if so, he flashes a gun in his coat. So... 
Dick, I guess, goes through with this. I guess there was no way to back out, but he he goes into it like with a positive attitude. So later that night, um, Dick wakes up in his sleep and he's fiending. He needs a cigarette. So he sneaks into his study and he finds like a hidden pack of cigs. But before he can light up, he hears something in the closet. And so like he approaches it with an umbrella. And when he opens it, like his golf clubs fall out. Um, and then he just like throws his umbrella like backwards. And when he throws it, he hears someone like, Ugh! like they were hit by his umbrella. And he's like, what the fuck? And so then he like sees like a wet pair of rain boots standing in the closet. And he's like, uh, hello, uh, I-, I didn't smoke, I promise. And then he like breaks the cig in half and he like freaks out and he goes back to bed. Um, and the next morning the boots are gone. Um, but he sees like dusty footprints leaving away. And so of course he's scared shitless and definitely not trying to smoke. And so then he, he brings his daughter, a little Drew Barrymore, a little Alicia. Um, she's on like the playground, uh, with some nuns and he brings her a cabbage patch doll named Norma Jean and then just sends her back to school. So he's just like, yeah, being a good dad, check. Um, and then he sees uh, a creepy guy from Quitters Inc. following him. Um, it's like the doctor guy. And he's like, hey, one of your guys was like in my home last night. And he's like, yeah, we promised you constant supervision. Did we not? Um, and he's like, listen, I didn't smoke. And he's like, yeah, I know you didn't smoke. If you did smoke, you'd be in my office right now watching your wife hop around in a little room. <laughs> And so we cut to like a fancy dinner party later, not even a dinner party, a full on rager later that night. And since it's the 80s, literally everyone is smoking and he is just not well. Um, and, but of course, he's so terrified and he starts literally like seeing visions of walking cigarette cartons and children like chain smoking cigarettes and cigarettes just like covering the floor. And he's just like salivating. But the the guy from from Quitters Inc., the creepy guy, he's just wearing like a silver like Elvis costume and he's singing I'll Be Watching You by the police as he like dances down the staircase. Oh, it was so funny to watch. Um, So then... We cut to and Dick is just like driving. He's on a bridge in traffic and his cassette tape starts skipping. So he goes into the glove box to get another tape and he sees a pack of cigarettes and he's like, fuck, I want it so bad. (laughs) And so he eats some nicotine gum, but then he like starts looking around and he's like, okay, I'm, I should be good. And so he puts on his sunglasses he takes out a cig and he like bends down. He's like crouching down below the dash to smoke so that he makes sure like no one can see him. And then like by the time traffic has cleared, he's like being honked at. And so he gets ready to go and he looks to his right and he sees him. It's one of the guys from the clinic. It's one of the henchmen. And he's like, oh, shit. And so he gets home and he can't find his wife. And he immediately gets a call on the phone and he's like, I didn't do it. And the guy is like, I'll see you at five. So now we're at the the office and Dick busts in. He's like, where's my wife? And he quickly reveals that she's, you know, behind the curtain in the box. And he starts trying to like bust in there and break in there. But of course he can't. But like during that ruckus, um, the cat is able to get away. The cat was like brought in by the guy who like got her on the street is also one of the henchmen. So that's kind of how this is tying together. But anyway, another thing about the glass box is it has speakers and they play music just super loud to like add some extra layer of torture, I guess, but also make for a really interesting uh, cinematic experience. Um, 
So he like turns up the electrical charge and he turns on the music really loud and the floor starts fucking like popping with electrocution. This poor woman is just like hopping around, but there's like no safe place to land. And it's just like torture. And so they just have to like watch her for a minute. And then like when it's over, the guys are like watching on a monitor as, um, you know, Dick and his wife reunite in the other room. And it's just like so sad because he just like apologizes and she's just like, it's okay. And it's like, girl, what? But also she's just been tortured. Like, what's she going to do? Ugh, it's so sad. So we cut to Dick is six months in and he's getting weighed in by this uh, doctor who tells him that he's gained eight pounds in six months. And he's like, that's horrible. You fat piece of shit. And Dick is just like, eight pounds in six months. Like, that's not bad. Like, whatever. Like, a lot of people gain weight after they quit smoking. Like, eight pounds. Are you kidding? He's a skinny little man. Anyway, the doctor, like, gives him diet pills. And he's like, listen, I want you to be at 165. But you be careful with these diet pills. But I want you at 165. And Dick is like, or what? And he's like, I'll send someone to cut off your wife's little finger. And Dick is like, haha, good one. As if this man isn't capable of that. As if this man didn't already torture his wife. But anyway, so this doctor sends him off to get an eating disorder and he's having dinner with this other couple and they all toast to Quitters Inc. And when they do, Dick notices that his friend's wife is missing her pinky finger. So yeah, the cat is off somewhere having its own little adventure. He's in Atlantic City. He's on the boardwalk. He wanders in front of a TV store and there are like a bunch of TVs, right? And Drew Barrymore is on every screen selling cat food. And the cat hallucinates that, again, she's talking to him and she's like, it's still looking for me. You have to go back and find it. You're my only chance. And so this cat wanders outside of a casino and he's nearly getting hit by like multiple cars. And these dickweeds across the way who had just are leaving the casino, one of the guys is like, I bet that cat gets hit. And the other one's like, oh, yeah, how much do you bet? Because I bet two thousand dollars that that cat lives and the other guy is like really are we really betting on this and he's like yeah we are and so the other guys now (laughs) it's a guy and his girlfriend they're now betting on whether or not this cat will not make it across the street so for two thousand dollars they start trying to lure this cat into traffic luckily the cat makes it safely across the street but causing like a four four car pile up in the meantime so anyway the guy who won the bet um takes the cat home and he's like i'll bring him home i'll give him some milk (sighs) so we cut to this new couple there's johnny who is the actor from airplane the younger guy robert hayes that guy his name is johnny norris mr norris so he's putting his girlfriend on a bus um and he's like i'm gonna meet you in new york um but i gotta you know get some money out of the bank first i gotta i gotta move some money around and so when he gets back to his car he immediately gets mugged and he gets thrown into a car and he gets dragged by his ear to that old guy the guy who had just got that cat the cat um he gets dragged to his apartment and apparently this guy this guy's pissed because that woman was actually his wife And so this guy is having an affair with his wife and he's like, listen, I want to make a bet with you. You see that little ledge going all the way around my building? Yeah, I bet you can't walk all the way around that. Um, And if you win, you can have a whole bag of money and you can have my wife. And the guy is like, 
okay, well, I'm going to comply with this, I guess, because uh, this guy could kill me and he knows I'm fucking his wife. So he gets on this fucking ledge that's like three inches wide and he has to start just edging his way all the way around the building. But of course, it's not just like a square building. It has like a lot of little divots and like one entirely round, like spherical side. And he's like a dozen stories up. So he starts edging his way along and the guy's just like taunting him. Like he's like, I don't think you have the guts. I think you're going to come over the railing any minute now. And Johnny just flips him off. And then the guy just like grabs his finger and he nearly knocks him off his balance. And then at one point he's like dangling a scarf on him, trying to get him to lose his balance. And he's just cackling. And I am shaking because I'm terrified of heights and just like the idea of it, the just the, the watching it. Oh my God, it's awful for me. Um, so I'm shaking. Um, and so is Johnny Norris. Uh, but he gets to one section of the building and it's like outside of the guy's bedroom. And it's like the part of where there's like this sphere. It's like a half sphere. Um, and he's trying to get in the windows. Um, but then the other guy comes out the other window and like honks a horn in his ear. Um, and so he like slides down the slope. Um, but he catches himself on a ledge at like the bottom of the slope. But then he sees like the horn fall to the ground and just like flatten. And it's like, oh, shit. And at one point, this little pigeon will just not stop pecking his foot. And it, he's just tearing his foot up. And so when he finally gets to this little like divot to rest in, he just kicks that pigeon to fucking hell (laughs) then um the old guy comes out from above and starts hosing him down and he's like keep it moving and so then he gets to the side of the building that has a huge neon sign for some reason and he has to like hold on to the neon sign to like get by but then it like breaks off and so then he's just dangling by it and now the cat has like appeared and he's just like watching from a distance and Norris has to like pull himself up by this like big old electrical cord um and once he finally pulls himself inside um the guy is like okay fine you won but i'm a sore loser and then he kicks over the bag of money and his wife's head rolls out (sighs) and so then johnny goes berserk uh his little security guard the old guy's like little security guard he like trips um and so johnny grabs his gun and with the silencer on shoots the security guard and then turns it on the old guy his name is mr kressner by the way um at which point um, Mr. Kressner is like, hey, hey, listen, 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 I'll offer you all kinds of money in exchange for my life. How about like four million? <laughs> and Mr. Norris is like, I don't want your money, but I do have a bet for you. And then we cut to and now Mr. Kressner is on the ledge on the side of the building. And it's like, how did you get him to go over there? I am just not buying it. But he is over that ledge. And Norris is pointing a gun at him. Mr. Kressner is like, you've got to be joking. And it's like, dude, you are already down there it is too late for that um and Norris is just like shooting at him to keep him moving and then another fucking pigeon comes along identical to the first pigeon and it wasn't just like a regular gray pigeon it was like a like a white pigeon with like black spots and there's another white pigeon with black spots back to like peck this guy at his feet until he inevitably falls to his death and he falls onto the horn and it honks Which is interesting, though, because the horn was flattened, so I don't know if it would honk. Hmm. But anyway, of course it had to do that. It was a cool sound effect. So the little kitty cat is now on a train in North Carolina. And we are like, now the camera is like from a perspective of something sniffing through the woods. And I thought it was a dog at first, but um, it's actually a little uh, creature. (laughs) Um... But anyway, so it and the cat run into the house of like 
there's like a wife and a kid and a husband in the driveway all like washing a car together. So the cat is now just like hanging out in the house and he's following Amanda around and Amanda is Drew Barrymore's character. She is with a different family and she has almost an identical name and her name is Amanda and she doesn't have bangs anymore. Anyway, or glasses. I think she had glasses when she was with the other family. So anyway, she starts bonding with this cat. She desperately wants to keep it, but she also like already has a pet bird and her mom is just very much like, no, we're not fucking with that. Leave it alone. But they name the cat General and Amanda keeps saying she wants to keep General, but her mom is like, are you even thinking about Polly, your bird? And she's like, they love each other. Uh, Meanwhile, outside (laughs) General is killing a wild bird and dragging it onto the porch. But then the dad tells Amanda, he's like, you know, grandma says that cats will steal children's breath in the night. And that's why they need to sleep outside. And (laughs) she's like, no, but I like it when he sleeps in my room. And they're like, you can't let the cat sleep in your room. You have a bird in there. Like anyway, that night before bed, Amanda tells her dad that she usually dreams that there's like a troll monster in her wall. But last night when the cat was in her room, the dreams went away. So we cut to the wife and husband in bed and they're both reading and the wife is reading Pet Cemetery by Stephen King. And the dad is like, can't we just let her keep the cat? And the mom is like, I don't trust that cat. Um, And in Amanda's room, we hear all these like crunchy noises, all this scrounging around and this breathing like that of a little gremlin. And then we see this section of her wall cave in and this little guy comes running out. Y'all, when I tell you, when I saw this thing, (laughs) I can't even explain it. This little CGI'd guy, this little troll that has a jester hat with little bells on the end of it. He comes out of the wall and he has little lizard hands and he has like the nose of an armadillo and these like tiny beady eyes and these like tiny pointy teeth. Oh my God. Anyway, he's walking up to Amanda's bed and he pulls back her covers and he squeezes her nose until she gasps for breath. He's stealing her breath like in this story, but it's not cats. It's a little troll. Anyway, so suddenly the cat comes in somehow and the little troll thing pulls out a blade he has a tiny little knife and it is squiggly like it has like a squiggly blade like it doesn't just have one curve it has multiple curves and so he pulls out his little blade um and he like he throws his little knife at the cat and then he like grabs it and he's like holding it up and he's like meow, 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 meow. <laughs> and he just goes into his back into his little hole and then the cat goes out the window um and then when this happens like the birdcage gets knocked over And so the parents come into the room and of course it looks like the cat did it. And so the bird is now dead. Oh my God. Sorry. I forgot to mention that. When the little guy first came into her room, he went up into the bird cage and we don't know what he did, but we see some feathers flying around. So it can't be good. So now he's like framed the bird because he's gone back into his little hole and he's a troll and no one is going to believe this little girl when they tell her or when they when she tells them the next day the dad is throwing out the dead bird when the cat like comes up and you know rubs on his leg outside and the cat has this huge wound in his neck and he's like isn't that weird like he has a huge wound and the mom is like well the bird probably got some pecs in like good for her and but anyway after he leaves for work the mom like traps the cat in a box and brings him to the pound and poor Amanda like is out at night looking for the cat like before she goes to bed she's like general general and the mom is just like not telling her just like letting her yell while Amanda is sleeping 
the little troll comes out again and it puts a wedge under the door so that it can't be opened because it's about to do something super mischievous. But luckily, the cat breaks out of the pound. Super amazing cat. Breaks out of the pound. It's coming to the rescue because the troll now, of course, is stealing her breath again. It's like a fucking dementor, literally. And so the cat shows up and starts like pawing at the little guy. And he's like wild in with his little blade. And they're like fighting like right there on top of Drew Barrymore's bed. And the troll does like a little backflip off the bed into a jar of marbles. And then the cat like rolls the jar until it breaks and then the little troll like grabs onto some mylar balloons and like starts floating away and then like (laughs) lands on a record player y'all this whole scene wild lands on a record player and then the cat turns on the record player and amanda wakes up and she's like general play it faster and then so he turns it up and then she's like play it faster and then he turns it up again and he's just spinning super fast and he's just the little troll is like holding on to the end of it like holding on for dear life and then he like spins off and he crashes into a box fan and splatters to death like his bits go everywhere and so at that point like the parents like had been trying to bust in the door for a while but they couldn't get in because of this wedge and so they're finally able to bust in and of course they're like oh my god this fucking cat can you believe this and Amanda is like no like look there was a troll in my wall and he got it like he went into the fan and he splattered like look and they can see like his visceral on the floor like his little bits and bones (laughs) it's so gross and the parents are like wow there really was a troll and so later like they're like you cannot tell your friends about this um because this is ridiculous and she's like okay yeah i won't but you'll have to let me keep the cat and so the next day the little kitty is just living his best life eating uh, an entire fish just down to the bones and he hears something upstairs and he goes to check it out and he checks on amanda it's so sweet he licks her on the face until she wakes up and then they just cuddle and it's so cute and then it just ends y'all this movie was so much weirder and cuter than I could have ever expected because like the first half of the movie is like Black Mirror and the second half of the movie is like a wonderful like children's story about about an evil little troll and a heroic cat like we never go back to Dick we never find out if he was able to quit smoking Uh, and like (laughs) I don't and I don't know how the two stories connect besides the cat and so I guess we just only get to know as much as the cat knows and that's why it's called cat's eye because it's from the perspective of the cat except for that little bit when it was from the perspective of the of the little troll which okay when I started this story I, I mentioned the 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 Saint Bernard that was like covered in blood and I said we would get back to that but we didn't actually I expected the movie to come back to that but it doesn't. But what I do think, I do think that that's Cujo. And now I am very interested in watching Cujo so I can see if there's a reference to Cat's Eye. When did Cujo come out? Cujo came out in 1983. So yeah, that is very plausible. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Stephen King, you and your little, you and your little nods and references. Anyway, this was so much fun. Like, like Stephen King has put out so much shit. Like so much shit has been put out for him. His like B-side movies, like... They're pretty weird, but they can also be pretty fun, too, and just, like, worth the watch, whether or not you think they're good. You know, like, Cat's Eye, like, I'm still kind of scratching my head as to how I feel about it, but I know that I had fun. I know that I was screaming at the TV when that troll and that cat were fighting, so 
what more can you really ask than for like an immersive experience? And maybe this is just like lightning in a bottle that happens when Drew Barrymore stars in a Stephen King movie. But either way, I hope you all have a good week. Tune back in next Friday or Saturday. Until then, uh, bye.